to the blessed, the noble, the fully awakened one. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato Arahato Samma Sambuddhasa Udang Dhammang Sangam Namasami So today is the fifth day of our retreat together. We see that since the first day on March 26th until today, March 30th, the time has passed very quickly. This is something that the Lord Buddha has taught and the awakened disciples, the Sangha, has taught as well. That the days are ever passing. What are we doing with our time? Are we building goodness? Are we abandoning that which is unwholesome? Are we making the mind pure? Do we have worries and disturbances in our mind? We should practice to care for our minds, to keep our minds in the middle, not to get caught in liking or disliking, not to, not to chase after all the various moods and sense impressions. So we should make ourselves firm in heed, heedfulness. The Buddha taught 84,000 Dhamma verses they all gather in this point of being heedful, not being heedless. Some people that are young think that, oh, I'm still young, I don't need to practice, I have time. But this is uncertain, this is unsure. We don't know when sickness will arise. So we use our life and our life can pass us by like this. We don't know when we'll get sick, for instance, having the COVID virus, then our body changes, different feelings arise. So we see that life is uncertain like this. Before our body may be strong, we can go to work, we can take care of ourselves, but then all of a sudden we go upstairs and we're tired already. Our body may have been beautiful in the past, but it changes. The body gets sick, the body degrades. And we're all the same in this regard. So therefore we can't be heedless. We don't know what difficulties we'll meet with or when. For instance, we chant in the morning and we chant a Dhamma point worth thinking about. That we have suffering in front of us. Suffering is waiting for us. It's something we, that we must meet with. It's something that we don't want. We all want happiness. So we have to prepare ourselves first, prepare our minds before old age, sickness and death come to us to train our minds. So all of us as Dhamma practitioners should feel proud in our hearts that of all the time that's passed up until now, all our past lives and previously in this life, we've built merit and parami 
we've cultivated generosity, virtue, and meditation already. If one hasn't practiced giving in the past, then it's difficult to do in the present. But if one has done this giving in the past, then it's easy to do. Similarly, if one has practiced the five precepts before, then it's easy to do it again. And it's easy to do the five or eight precepts and so on. But if we haven't done it before, then it's difficult. So may we set our hearts on this to the fullness of our ability. We've gathered together on this online retreat and so we must have old merit and old parami. We've been born as humans in our body and in our minds as well. We're a human, been born as humans, and we have this mind that has complexity and has kilesas as well. And it can be difficult to make the mind cool. And if we're not able to make the mind cool, then we can't help others make their minds cool either. So we have to practice to be able to make our minds cool and at ease, to have samadhi. And to do this we need to have giving virtue and meditation, dana, sila, bhavana. We need to strive and have effort in our practice to bring our minds to peace. In the beginning it's difficult for everyone so we practice to see the drawbacks in the mind that's untrained and chaotic. This is something that we don't want. We know that clinging to anything is suffering and we shouldn't cling. This is on the level of knowing, but we don't yet see it. We listen to the Dhamma. And we know that the mind that clings to the five aggregates of the physical body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness, clinging to this as self is incorrect. It gives rise to suffering because of this quality of craving. And so we know this, but because ignorance is covering over the mind, craving, tanha, still arises often the mind is lost and attachment and clinging are there. We see that pleasure leads to pain and this pain leads to more ignorance, leads to more becoming and more death, more becoming and more death, which we call the cycle of samsara. And the cycle of samsara is something that's incredibly long and vast. Even in this one life of ours, we can see this that we keep being uh, born and dying, born and dying with liking and disliking. It's just like this. And in the end, the body meets with some condition and it passes away. Or we can see it in terms of the mind. The mind is constantly arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing. It's never the same as it is before. But it can feel fresh and rejuvenated, or it can feel new. We can compare it to a mango tree. The mango tree gives rise to flowers, and the flowers give rise to fruits. When the fruit is ready, we can take that fruit and plant it in the ground, and then that mango seed will grow into a new tree. And that new tree is not the same as the previous tree. 
but it's also not completely different. It's neither the same nor completely different. So we see that the new mango tree has arisen based on past causes. So our mind is the same. Our mind arises based on previously laid down causes. And if our mind is born without merit and goodness, and this is suffering, this is dukkha. And so we can see this in this life. We do goodness and this results in happiness. Our mind feels happy in the present moment. It's because we built the causes for that experience of happiness. And therefore on this retreat, we make the causes for happiness doing merit and goodness. And this happiness follows our mind, goes with us. Because we don't know what we'll meet with in the future, we do know our aggregates, our body and mind will degrade. So therefore may you cultivate mindfulness to give rise to wisdom. And this path of mindfulness and wisdom is for the sake of overcoming suffering. Mindfulness and wisdom of the world we already understand. And panya, wisdom we know, that materiality and mentality are not self. But why is it that when sense contact arises, we cling to it as self? It's because our samadhi is not yet firm, our mindfulness isn't well established. It's something that we have to train in and practice. We see that if we maintain any of the four postures for any length of time, sitting, standing, walking or lying down for a long time, then our body is in pain and suffers, and so we change posture. We're constantly changing posture in this way because any of the four postures, they're all suffering if we maintain it for a long time. So we see that this body is dukkha, so we can't be lost in it. In truth, it's not self, but when it's gathered together in the form of a body, we take it as self. So every time we move our body, may you contemplate this point and contemplate the 32 parts of the body, the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water. They all degrade and disintegrate and there's just emptiness. In truth, there's nothing there. But when we gather it all together again, then we see it as self. But really these four elements are just a pile of worldly elements. These elements make cells and care for these cells. The cells replicate and the cells die. The cells are always arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing. And they degrade. In the end, this gives rise to illness because the cells are exhausted and then this is death. <coughs> but we, we see that this death is inevitably coming. We all must experience old age, sickness and death. But still there's this clinging to it as self. And therefore the Buddha taught to abandon, to cut off the three fetters of personality view, skeptical doubt, attachment to rites and rituals. Because this personality view, this Sakaya Didi, is a wrong view. 
When the eye sees a form, we take it as self. The ear hears a sound, we take it as self. The tongue with flavors, the body with body objects, the mind with mind objects, and the nose with smells, we take all of them as a self. And we may have doubts about the path of practice, thinking that perhaps uh, torturing the body is the way to Nibbana. But really this is outside of the Noble Eightfold Path. This is not the way of practice. So we try to study this to understand it and to put the teachings into practice. Because these kilesas, these defilements, are present in the mind. And there was one Dhamma teaching by Venerable Ajahn Chah, something that's worth thinking about. He said that when you have a sour lemon, but it doesn't touch the tongue, then the experience of sourness doesn't arise. And if you have a sweet sugar, but that sugar doesn't touch the tongue, then the experience of sweetness doesn't arise. So we see that the experience arises right there at contact. These kilesas are here in our hearts and they arise based on this contact. So when contact occurs, contemplate it, it arises based on the inner sense base and the outer sense object. This gives rise to feeling. And when we meet with feeling based on contact, have a lot of mindfulness right at that point. We can see, is our mindfulness quick enough or not? If the mindfulness isn't quick enough, the sense of self arises right there. But if the mindfulness is quick enough, then the sense of self can't arise. So may you practice in this way to the point of proficiency, to establish your mindfulness well, to bring the mind to stillness, to make the mind peaceful in samadhi. And this is right samadhi, sama samadhi, able to control or suppress the kilesas. And this is something we can be proud of doing. And then we can contemplate our meditation object, whether it's the recollection of the meditation word bhutto, recollecting death, or paying attention to the in and out breathing. These are all shamatha kamatanas, tranquility meditation objects. Whatever object you choose, uh, practice with that object, really do it. Don't worry, is this the right way? There's no need to think about this, just do it. Make the mind peaceful and calm. Because all these meditation objects all come together and reach this point of peace and samadhi. We may have heard in the text that recollecting the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, recollecting death and so on, are only capable of bringing the mind to upajara samadhi, neighborhood concentration, because they're meditation objects of the recollection type. But once the upajara samadhi arises, we can then transition to anapanasati, paying attention to the in and out breathing. So these meditation objects can connect, be continuous like this. And having moved to the mindfulness of breathing, one can enter the first jhana, one can realize apana samadhi, one-pointedness. 
So we see jhana, this absorption, is a type of samadhi. This apana samadhi is samadhi for the paths and fruits of nibbana. We can say jhana is is only samadhi, whereas apana samadhi is samadhi for the paths and fruits of nibbana. So whenever we change any of the four postures, have mindfulness, have clear knowing, have a lot of mindfulness, and when we have a lot of mindfulness, we're close to the Buddha. So may you really do this Dhamma practice. We don't know when we're going to get sick. Contemplate this as uncertain, as unsure, as impermanent, whether it's oneself, a loved one, a family member, and so on. Contemplate it as normal to get sick. To see it as normal is to see the Dhamma. When we see it as normal, the mind can become liberated. Because we see constantly, every day, people are always getting sick. So we see that it is normal. This is something that happens to everyone in the world, whether it's from COVID or another disease. See it all as normal. But even though getting COVID or other diseases is normal, may you be careful to the maximum of your ability. May you have the utmost care to protect from disease. But in the end, it's up to one's merit and karma whether one gets sick or not. There is a story of a wife and husband in Australia. The wife got COVID and the husband was taking care of her. And he thought to join her in getting COVID as that, that was his intention. And for six months he took care of his wife to the fullest and he tried his best to get COVID, drinking from the same glass, not wearing a mask, being close together and so on. But whatever he did, he didn't get COVID. So we see this is dependent on karma. There's another story of a young novice at Wat Mapjan. This was approximately 37 years ago. At that time, there was a lot of malaria. All the monks and novices here were getting malaria. And so the monks and novices would take care to protect themselves, to enter, enter into their mosquito net. And they never knew when they got bit by the infected mosquito. But most of the residents here didn't get malaria. And this young novice wanted to get malaria. He wanted to get the good care that the sick monks and novices would get. Because if one got malaria, the monks would take care of one. He could go to the hospital and get uh, nicer food and so on. So this novice went to lie down in the meditation hall without a mosquito net, just out in the open. And he would sleep there all night like that. And so a monk asked this novice, what are you doing lying here like this? And he said, oh, I want to I get malaria. He said, well, why? Why do you want to get malaria? He said, because it would give rise to a warm feeling in my heart because the monks would take good care of me and give me good food. So we see this as the thought of a young person. He was 14 years old, but he never got malaria. 
he didn't have the karma to get it, so he didn't get it. So we see it's up to karma. And some people, they stay at home and take the utmost care, but they still get COVID all the same. They don't know how they got it. So may you contemplate and take the utmost care, protect yourself as much as you can. And may you practice to make your Dhamma practice strong, to make your mind prepared, because we see that kilesas arise right here at contact. And based on contact, these feelings arise in the mind. And if we don't have mindfulness with these feelings, with this Vedana, then attachment arises. This gives rise to birth and becoming in the sense of self. So we practice in order to cure this problem, in order to fix this situation. And when we wake up in the morning, we set our hearts not to be angry, not to hurt or harm any being, but to have loving kindness and compassion, to rejoice in the good fortune of others, to have mudita, and to have equanimity with the ups and downs of oneself and others, to have upeka. We help others if we can, and we take care not to be heedless. We practice to have the four Brahma-viharas established throughout the day and to take care of our mindfulness well. And in this way we can reduce the suffering that we experience. So may you not forget this, may you keep practicing. And sometimes we set the intention not to have anger, not to have greed or aversion arise, but still we experience anger, we experience greed, aversion and delusion. So we practice to know anger has arisen. I'm experiencing anger right now. And practice not to speak or act based on that anger. Because this anger is a heat in the mind. It's a heat in the body. It gives rise to speech that's hot. And we can see that if one lacks patient endurance and one acts based on this anger, and whether with body or speech, and this just gives rise to troubles and chaos. We see that greed, hatred, and delusion are the cause for dukkha, cause for the sense of self to arise. And this quality of delusion can give rise to a lot of fear, fear to the level of destroying a situation or a mind. For instance, there's a large there are large snakes in the monastery here, or in monasteries in Thailand. And Venerable Ajahn Chah was going on alms round, and this very large snake would follow him to and from the village. But then Ajahn Chah warned the snake that the humans might hurt it out of fear, and so the snake stopped following Ajahn Chah. So the snake was able to understand and know what Ajahn Chah was saying but we see that the snake wasn't hurting anyone, but based on fear, the humans might kill or hurt it. So we should have care, cultivate loving kindness to care for our minds, to contemplate all sense experience as it arises, and to have restraint well established, not to give rise to liking or disliking. This is the way to seeing the Dhamma.
So we have to have patient endurance, we have to practice this, to have patiently endure our anger, patiently endure our fear. And sometimes we have so much fear that our body and mind even reach the point of shaking. For instance, a monk going to the cremation ground, perhaps entering the cremation ground around 8 p.m. And by 10 p.m. the body's already shaking. This is because the mind is shaking as well, shaking with stress and tension. We contemplate, well, what is it that we fear? What is it that we're loving? What is it that we're deluded by? So bring the mind to peace and samadhi and contemplate this. Then we're able to separate out the four elements, separate out the body and see it as empty, see it as not self. And seeing this, then there's no fear. Even the situation that gives rise to the most intense fear in us can give rise to wisdom as well. Whether it's intense greed or intense aversion, these experiences are able to ripen as wisdom. We can see it as not self and see the Dhamma. So may you train your hearts in this way. This is the most important thing we can do. We have this very good opportunity. We have a human body and a human mind. And by virtue of the great compassion of the Lord Buddha, we're able to meet with the Buddha Sasana, the Buddhist teachings. And to have this, we need to have had merit from the past. And this merit has followed us to the present. Even though we may be far away, may live in various countries from around the world, may not speak the same language, still we meet together in the Dhamma, have this interest in the Dhamma, and we practice together. We do it with sincerity, cultivate our minds with genuine sincerity. And practicing in this way, it's not difficult to know and see. But in the beginning, it can feel difficult. The samadhi may not be very much, but we get even a little samadhi and our mind feels at ease already. But when we get up from our meditation session, a sense contacts meet with the mind and the samadhi's gone already. This means that the samadhi wasn't firm, but don't give up, don't be disheartened. Keep practicing, keep having patient endurance. Keep cultivating your samadhi, doing your sitting practice. And this gives rise to kanaka, momentary samadhi, upajara, or neighborhood samadhi. In all of the four postures of sitting, standing, walking, and lying down, we practice to have samadhi evenly like that. And it's possible that this can happen. Samadhi arises in all the four postures then we really see the true value of samadhi. We see that it's possible to have samadhi like this. We see it as truly something miraculous and amazing. In this way, our mind is very much at ease. Our mind isn't suffering. As sense experience arises, we know it. And if we have energy in the mind like this, 
then we have mindfulness and wisdom that is sufficient. But in the beginning, we're not at this point yet. So we contemplate all around us, contemplate all the things we experience, to see them all as merely conventions. There's no self there to be found. Practice to see them clearly, because we see them as a self already, out of habit. But when we practice, we can see it as anatta, and the experience of Dhamma arises in the heart. So may you be heedful in this. See that in the world, we all have to meet with old age, sickness and death. So why be angry with anyone? Why hurt anyone? We all have to die all the same. When you contemplate like this, then the anger's done right there. We don't need to hurt. We don't need to make weapons. We don't need to make uh, protection from harm. Because this truth of Dhamma, it's something that we all share. But when the Dhamma, or when the minds of people only have a little bit of Dhamma, then this leads to a lot of trouble and chaos in the world. So may you set your hearts and minds on this, seeing that we've been born in this life and we have very little time. Someone who lives to 80 or 90 years old is hard to find already. So we can say that the current lifespan of humans is 75 years. If someone's lived to 80 years old, that's five years extra already. So we see that these sankharas, these conditioned formations, are only here for a short time. And the older they get, the harder it is to practice, the harder it is to sit meditation. The body gets tired and sore. So may you practice in the present moment, build the causes in the present moment. Because we see that the future arises based on past causes. Past causes result in present fruits, and present causes result in future fruits. So we're doing Dhamma practice in the present moment. We're making the causes in the present. We're interested in meditation. We practice chanting. This is a parami, a spiritual virtue that we all have. If we chant every day, we can feel this fullness and happiness in the heart. This is a good energy in the mind. And this can make the water element in the body to be improved, to be balanced. So may you set your hearts on being well established in virtue, having loving kindness. And the face of someone with virtue and loving kindness is fresh and bright and radiant. So may you have virtue. And this arises from the merit that we do. It arises in our hearts. So may you set your hearts on this practice. May you all be sincere and cultivate this merit and goodness as much as you're able. Contemplate to be heedful in your life. So may you all grow in Dhamma. May you grow in blessings.